0: I have uh, my friend Dr. Richard Horner and his wife Elaine as our guest here today, and uh, he's a seminary professor and a pastor and a brother in the Lord, and uh, it's exciting to have he and Elaine as our guest today worshiping with us, and we wish you all the best in your trip back to Alberta, right? So... They have beautiful summers up there, right? All six weeks, yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, (laughs) that's great. Uh, We're in a sermon series about how to be brave. And uh, this is about overcoming fear, worry, and anxiety. The more I talk with people on a daily basis, the more I realize how much we need the truth of God's Word when facing the struggles of everyday life, the stresses, the worry, fear, and anxiety that comes into our lives through our interaction with the world system. This world system is, according to the Bible, in a downward spiral of self-destruction. And anybody who pays any attention to our culture can see that we are on a path plunging headlong into darkness. And that does create stress for those of us who are seeking to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does God have to say about fear, worry, and anxiety? Is there any real hope for change in my life? I do want to welcome those who joined us by way of the internet. Thank you for being part of this sermon series. I'm grateful so many of you have joined us and you're part of our listening audience, please download the listening guide and follow right along with us as we study God's Word. You have your Bibles, will you open them to Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. I'd like to read the text, then give you the context so we can understand it correctly interpret it and then apply it to our lives. That's the way we want to handle the Bible, right? We don't want to be careless with it. We want to handle it wisely and we want to handle it with care. So, Mark chapter 4, I'll begin reading in verse 35. Mark 4:35. If you're there say amen. Mark 4.35, on the same day when evening had come, he, that's Jesus, said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now they're getting ready to get into a boat, and they're going to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. I have been on the Sea of Galilee. It is an amazing place, Um, and I'm going to tell you more about that in just a second. All right, now when... They had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, that is, there was no special preparation, everybody just got in the boat and headed across to the other side, just as Jesus had said. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves began to beat into the boat so that it was already filling. That he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. I hate people that can do that. Don't you? They can sleep right through a storm. My wife can do that. We had a hurricane back in 2004, and my wife slept through it. Just aggravated me to death. Well, see, she can't hear out of one ear, so she just rolls over on the good ear. She sleeps through it. All right. Well, Jesus obviously had no worries, right? And uh, he was asleep there in the boat. He was in the stern, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, before we go any further, Let me tell you that the purpose of this passage is to point out that Jesus is God. That is the purpose. It is to put on display his credentials as the Son of the living God. Amen. The point of all of that is, he is qualified. The Son of the Living God. He's the qualified Messiah of Israel. He is qualified to be your Savior. And if He's God, then He can do anything. So I ask you, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now I want to show you uh, the background of this passage. Take a look at this slide that shows a map. There it is. Uh, This is a, a NASA photo of Israel. And this is New Testament Israel, and it shows here the Dead Sea. And then going up, actually coming down, is the Jordan River. And up there is the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is where this particular story takes place. This historical story where Jesus... Is with his disciples and he's teaching them something and it always has to do with faith. Where's your faith? The next slide is an actual picture of the Sea of Galilee when it's calm. You can see the clouds that have formed there. When we went out on the Sea of Galilee we we got in the boat and went out on the water and it was calm. And then it started getting choppy. And it can do that. It can happen rather quickly because cold air from the mountains comes down. And it mixes with the warm air that comes off of the Sea of Galilee. And you can have a storm pretty quickly. So it started getting choppy. And one of the pastors that I was with came over and grabbed hold of me. And he was hanging on to me. And I looked at him and I said, what are you doing? He said, well, it's getting choppy and I wanted to get hold of the biggest thing I could find. So he could hang on to me. All of that to say, a storm can come up rather quickly on the Sea of Galilee. And this is what it looks like. A picture of how stormy you can see the waves Crashing up against the shore there, and so it becomes choppy rather quickly out on the Sea of Galilee. Well, that's what happened with the disciples and with Jesus, and the waves were crashing against the boat, and it was starting to fill up with water, and the normal reaction to that is one of fear. That's where the disciples were. Now you've seen three slides, I want to give you four observations about this particular text, and uh, this is not in your listening guide, I'll give you the practical application in just a moment, but we want to observe this text and see what it has to say. So here's the four observations. First of all, Jesus told his disciples to get into the boat and head to the other side of the sea. He knew that they would head into a storm, and he sent them into the storm anyway. God has purposes for the storms that he allows in your life and mine. He knows what's getting ready to happen in your life, and he'll send you right into that storm anyway. That's an important observation for us. We want to pay attention that God always has purposes for our lives, and the storms he allows us to go through. And please know these purposes always involve growing our faith. I am absolutely convinced that God wants all of us to come to a place where we could sleep in the boat when it's rocking. I believe he wants us to experience the peace of his presence, even when we are rocked by circumstances, by situations that hit our lives. And if you're not in one of those situations right now, you will be soon. Something is going to happen that will rock your world and test your faith. And it's always, it's always about growing our faith and our dependence upon the Lord and learning to put our trust in Him. That's the first observation. Here's the second observation about this particular text. Jesus was in the boat with them. Don't miss that. No matter what you're going through today, the Lord Jesus is with you. He's always present with us, no matter how dark and stormy our lives might get. He promised he would never leave you nor forsake you. He is present with you. He is present with us. When fear hits us, he's still right there. Here's the third observation I would have for you. The disciples were afraid of the storm, even though Jesus was with them in the boat. Fear is a human response, but it is not the response that the Lord Jesus is wanting from you and me. In fact, Jesus rebuked the disciples for their lack of faith. Please notice that they did arrive on the other side of the sea, just as he said they would. Please notice, the Lord Jesus is able to get you right where you want right where he wants, even through a storm. He will not abandon you in the storm. He will get you through that storm and get you to the place he wants you to be. Here is the fourth observation. Jesus commanded the storm to be still. Now this is, as I shared with you earlier, this is the point of the passage. It is to demonstrate that Jesus is God. Only the creator has the power and authority to say to a storm, stop. When the creator speaks, even the storms and the sea have to obey. Amen. You and I should remember that. This also demonstrates His supernatural power over all the created universe. Never forget this. No matter what is happening in our culture, no matter what is happening in your personal life, the Lord Jesus is sovereign Lord over everything. This also reveals His power over everything any circumstance that might hit us. We'll talk about how that practically works out in our lives in just a minute, but don't miss the fact that Jesus was there in the boat. He had the power to stop the storm any time he wanted. And he has the power to stop anything that's going on in your life any time he wants So if he allows it to continue, then he must have purposes for you and me. He wants to grow our faith. He wants to teach us to trust him no matter what. There is no storm you'll ever face that is not fully under the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. He can bring peace to you in the middle of the storm you're facing. All right, now let's take those five observa- those four observations and make five practical applications to our lives. All based in scripture, but practical applications for all of us. This is where you'll want to use your listening guide to follow right along. First of all, please notice this word: breathe. The acrostic is going to form the word brave. And so the first letter is B, and it's breathe. Sometimes we just need to breathe in and out. John fourteen twenty seven says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Notice this. Not as the world gives. The world gives a temporary peace, not a lasting peace. They give a partial peace, not a complete peace. But Jesus gives a peace that is beyond that. And he says, now listen to this, Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid, which indicates we have something to say about the emotions that are going on in us. And you really can say to your emotions, stop it. You can say to them, I'm trusting the Lord Jesus Christ in this situation. You can breathe in his presence and breathe out the stress and the fear. Yes, we really can make a choice. You can either go into panic mode and say, well, God's not in this situation and God's not present with me and he's certainly not in control of anything that's happening right now, so I'm going to panic. And if that is the case, you have reason to panic. So we breathe in God's presence. God is with me. He is ready to help. He can give me peace and calmness in this situation and I breathe out this truth. I do not have to panic. God is in control. His Holy Spirit lives inside of me, and he can help me to overcome this fear. Number two, the letter R, remember. You and I are here today because of God's care and faithfulness in the past. Friend, you wouldn't be sitting where you're sitting if it wasn't for His grace. He's gotten you through everything you faced in the past, and He's going to get you through anything you're going to face in the future. Amen. Listen to 2 Thessalonians 3.3. 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. That's his promise. He is faithful. So no matter what I'm facing, he has never failed me in the past. I need to remember, he's gotten me through everything. He's never abandoned me. He's never failed me. He's always gotten me through it. He is faithful. He always brought me through the storms in the past and he will give me strength for this storm and he will continue to fight for me every day. Why is that true? Because it's right here in the Bible. Why is it true? Because that's the nature of God. Why is it true? Because he loves you. Thirdly, the letter A, ask the Father. You know that sometimes God is just waiting for you to ask. If we ask him for courage and help, he is always faithful to answer. James said, you have not because you ask not. If God were to give you everything you've asked for today, what would you get? (laughs) You have not because you asked not. But notice what Matthew chapter 7 verse 11 says. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? Lord, I'm in this situation. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm frustrated by it. Right now I feel anxious. Would you just take that from me and give me your peace? Do you think God would answer that prayer? If you could just stop for a minute and remember that he is in control and ask the Father to help you, he will. It's his promise. What does he say? If you know how to give good gifts, how much more? To those who do what? To those who do what? Ask, right? He says, to those who what? Ask Him. So ask the Father. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to give you His peace. Ask Him to get you through this. Ask Him to make you aware of His presence. Ask Him to show you that He's fully in control. Ask Him. He gives good gifts to those who ask. Number four. Visualize by faith. Even when we can't see Jesus in our storms, we can know that he's there. We can see him with the eyes of faith. I find it interesting in the text that Jesus was in the boat He's the one that told them to get in the boat. He's the one that told them we're going out on the sea. He's the one who knew the storm was coming up. He was asleep. They were in the boat. And where were they focused? On the storm. They had focused on the storm. Their vision was on the storm, not on the Savior. So you and I need to visualize by faith the Savior who is in the storm with us. Was He there with them? He was. But their focus was on the storm. Why would you focus on a storm when you could focus on the Savior? And I'm fully convinced that the Lord takes us into storms to help us refocus. So our vision can be clearer. So we can realize who He is and what He wants in our lives. He doesn't want you to walk around fearful and anxious and worried. That is not His will for your life. And so if you're overcome by those things, then perhaps you need to refocus. Visualize by faith the presence of the Savior, the risen Savior, who He is and what He desires. Listen to 1 Peter 1.8. Love this verse. Listen to this. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Can you say amen? amen. I've never seen Him. But I love him. I've never seen him. But I know he's present. And I know that by faith. The word of God says it. My faith is rooted in the scriptures. Not in my emotions, but in the scriptures. So therefore, I can know his presence. I can visualize Him by faith. You're right here, Lord. You're right here with me. Listen to this text. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy inexpressible and filled with glory. What's the first thing that enters your life when faith is? has departed fear. It's going to flood your life one way or another. But here's the truth of this scripture. Once you realize God is in control of this situation, you can have joy inexpressible in the middle of a storm. I'd like to get to the place in my life where instead of taking 30 minutes to work through stuff in my mind, I make an immediate decision to trust God. But you know, sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes the circumstance comes and it barrels right at you and And it's like that accident you never saw coming. And all of a sudden, this circumstance just bowls you over. Boom, you get hit with something you weren't looking at and weren't looking for. And I would like to get to the place where immediately I would be able to say, God, you're in control, and I trust you, and thank you for your presence, and thank you that you can give me peace in the middle of this, and I don't go wandering off in my emotions. Can I confess something to you? I'm not there yet. And stuff still hits me, and I still have emotional responses. But it doesn't take me as long as it used to. Am <laughs> I right? It doesn't take me as long as it used to. And I want to narrow the gap. <laughs> between what's happening to me and my trust in the Lord, my decision to not let those emotions be the controlling factor. But to decide by faith what God says is true and I'm going to trust Him. Love that text. It's Wonderful reminder to us. Number five, elevate your attitude. We can lift our perspective and our attitude by giving God praise in those difficult circumstances, those difficult places. This is called the sacrifice of praise. I can elevate my attitude. I can say to the Father, you're worthy of praise and worship right now, even though my circumstances are painful and difficult. I can offer him thanks and praise in the middle of a heartbreaking situation. Why? Why can I do that? Can I I really thank him? For the most difficult circumstance I'm facing, can I really thank him and say, yes, God, you really are in control, and I don't understand it, and I don't like it, but you are in control, and I thank you that you are. Can I do that? Can I praise God even when things aren't going the way I had planned? Can I praise him? I can. I can offer Him praise. I'm going to say, praise the Lord. You have purposes beyond anything I can see or understand, and I'm going to trust you because you're a loving Father, and you're good and you're kind all the time, and you know what you're doing, and you're fully able to do great things through this circumstance, and I don't like it and my heart hurts, but I'm going to trust you. And so I offer you praise right now in the midst of what's going on. That's the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise is a great demonstration of our faith and trust in the Lord. And sometimes you can just start praising the Lord, and it'll lift your attitude. I told you all last week that my mom would tell me, whenever you're feeling down and depressed and anxious or worried you should just start singing one of those hymns and do you know that works it is the craziest thing you know our parents really do know something <laughs> they really have figured things out you know and and when they tell you these things you should listen because it really does work it is very difficult to focus on the storm when you're saying God, you're my Father, and you're good. I trust you, I love you. You know, it's hard to do that. It's hard for you to emotionally be in fear when you're singing, How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in His excellent Word. Amen. Amen. It's hard to have fear overcoming you when you're singing praises to the one who's worthy. It's hard for you to continue being depressed and discouraged and anxious and fearful when you're focused on the Lord of glory. So, maybe my mom had it right. I told you all last week that when she was in the emergency room, she was singing. And the nurse who was sitting by her bedside said, you know, she's just been praising Jesus since she got here. You know, she put it into practice. And I'm convinced that we can elevate our attitude. We can change our attitude in the midst of those storms. Here's Hebrews 13:15. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name in the storm. In the storm. So now you've heard a message We read the text, we put it in context, we made some observations, we've given some practical application of the text. Now the question is, what are you going to do with it? Because if all you've done is listen to this sermon, then it's done you absolutely no good. If you said, oh, that was nice, I agree with everything you said, that's done you no good. It only is powerful and life-transforming if you plug it into your life and decide to do something about it. So, so what's, your next, what's your next step? Well, let me suggest a couple of them to you. Here's a, here's a next step you might take. Maybe you need to commit your life to Christ today. Maybe sitting here today, you've realized for the first time that you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. And that's a commitment you need to make. If God's Spirit is working in your life and He's drawing you to Himself, you need to make that commitment. I'd love to talk with you about what that means, what it means to be a Christ follower. I'd love to talk with you about that after the service. So when we've dismissed, I'll stick around up here and you come and let's talk about that commitment to Christ. Here's another one. Maybe you're already a Christian, but you need to recommit your life to Christ. You've let things kind of drift. You've let things in your walk with the Lord become stale. You've let your heart grow cold. You've neglected your relationship with God. It can happen, can't it? Has it happened to you? I can say it's happened in my life. But you, you can recommit your life to the Lord anytime. In fact, I would recommend this. Do it every single day. Recommit your life to Him every day. Trust Him. Walk with Him. Obey Him. Seek Him. Let Him guide you. Maybe that's your next step. Here's another next step. Maybe you need to become a member at Eastside Baptist Church. <laughs> if you're not already one of those, then I would encourage you. You know, it's my belief that when you are part of a church, you really ought to commit to that church. You know, you don't want to be like the culture and go live with somebody without marrying them. And attending a church where you have no intention of serving God and committing your life, that that just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all for you just to come and sit. I mean, God didn't design you that way. He saved you to serve. You know, you get saved and then the natural outcome of being saved is you want to love and serve God. You want to honor Him with your life. And so, you know, if you've been kind of drifting and looking for a church home, I can tell you this is a great place to serve Christ. It's a great place to grow in your faith. I I think my mother got in touch with her. Okay. Thank you, Phyllis. Here's the last uh, of these steps that I would encourage you to to consider, you know, being baptized is a public profession of faith. You go public with your faith in Christ, and it's a way for you to say to everybody, I have committed my life to Jesus Christ, and I want to obey him. It's sort of the first step in a walk of discipleship, and if you've never been publicly baptized since you've been saved, then I would encourage you to take that step. Okay. Would you join me as we pray together?